Let's be more bold. Let's be more daring. I think we have tons of opportunities, fantastic technologies. We have excellently educated people. There's a huge opportunity there. Let's do it. Silvio Bonaccio is the head of ETH Transfer, the commercialization office for ETH Zurich in Switzerland. And he joins us on Talking Tech Transfer to discuss how he built the office from scratch two decades ago and turned it into one of the most successful in the world. Why spin-out survival rates can be misleading why all that talk about continental Europe not doing a great job churning out companies and raising big funds actually ignores all the fantastic work that is going on, not just in Zurich, but in other cities and countries too. Silvio, thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, it's all my pleasure. Hi, Thierry. To start with, maybe you can give us a bit of an overview of ETH transfer, perhaps give us some numbers as well. Absolutely. So I, I'm working for the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, uh, known as ATH Zurich. And uh, we are basically an internal service department, and uh, we are active in three areas. Uh, we take care of uh, research collaborations of our researchers with industry. So it's a group of lawyers taking care of contracts. It's about a thousand plus contracts per year with a volume of 80 to 100 million Swiss francs. Then the second area of activity is the valorization group. That's a technology licensing office, um, as you might know from other universities. So taking care of the intellectual property, protecting, and then, of course, doing technology marketing with the aim of um, uh, licensing and selling the technology. We file about 80 to 100 patents per year, and we have about 50 to 80 new licenses per year, licenses and sales, to be correct. And then the third area of activity, which is in terms of innovation, of course, the most uh, vibrant one is the support of uh, startups. And there we have basically two subgroups. One is the spin-off support groups, uh, taking care of the startups that want to spin out of ATH and the innovation and entrepreneur labs, which are kind of incubators uh, where we have coaches and facilities to support uh, soon-to-be startups and startups uh, themselves. So that's the whole area that we oversee in our ATH transfer group. Amazing. Quite the, offering the full package. It actually helps yeah, to, get, to have a, a one-stop shop, if you like. Yeah. As we're recording this, one of your companies, Get Your Guide, has just announced that, well, a few days ago announced that they are letting some people go. So it's obviously coronavirus is impacting everyone. How is it impacting you and ETA transfer? I guess we have probably to differentiate a little bit. If you're uh, alluding to the uh, startup, so Get Your Guide is an ATH spin-off, actually, who, who made the news last year. They made a round of, uh, I think, about 450 million, which is quite exceptional for Europe and for one of our spin-offs anyways. They are located uh, mainly in Berlin today. They have still a foothold uh, of 100 plus people in uh, Switzerland where they originated. And Get Your Guide is in a business that uh, doesn't go too well <laughs> at the moment, which is the tourism industry. And uh, I guess that's probably one of the reasons why they had to kind of uh, let go a few people right now. So I'm very sorry about that. One has to distinguish a little bit, as I said, on the one side on industries, some of them go very well. So startups that are in the IT business, uh, especially uh, in the for our purposes, in the security business, they go extremely well. And then we also have to st- distinguish of where the startups are. So in terms of new startups uh, that just, you know, kind of incorporated this year, we are still very much on track. So ATH has usually about 25 uh, startups coming out on average uh, per year. And uh, we are at number 20 today, and we have four in the pipeline for the next months. And And I can show you the list here. There's uh, many, many more who want to kind of start their own companies. 
Now, having said that, starting a company is uh, probably the, the easier part, uh, surviving, of course, the other one. So I'd say for the first like two years, it is probably easier to survive for a startup that just incorporated than for one that is five years in business and uh, you know has a product they have to sell in the market already. And of course, depending in which, again, industry you are, you know, times are a little bit rougher uh, for you. Speaking of survival rates, University of St. Gallen recently published a study into ETH spinouts that showed an impressive 95% of the 145 companies that they analyzed are still based in Switzerland and a majority of them actually in Zurich. Spinouts founded between 73 and 2018 also had a survival rate of 92.9%, which is somewhat mind blowing. I did an analysis of Oxford spinouts last, earlier this year, actually. And their survival rate was only, quote marks, 83.9%. And it's even more impressive considering the five-year survival rate for Swiss startups is actually less than 50%. What makes your spin-out so successful? What's your secret? <laughs> Let them do what, uh, whatever they need to do and uh, don't interfere too much. That's the, that's the secret. No, uh, no, seriously, I, I think you have to put the numbers in a certain um, perspective. First of all, uh, you might question whether um, a survival rate over five years, over 90%, is actually a good number. It could also show that you should actually have more startups that fail faster, and you know then you have a little bit less good number, but uh, you still have a better impact on the economy. So ninety whatever three percent survival rate after five years is is maybe uh, is is a good number, but maybe not what you want to achieve. So you have to put things into perspective. On the other side, you have to kind of see that this is already a positive selection because ATH produces many more startups. And what we publish is the ones that we qualify as ATH spin-offs. And there's a certain notion to that and the quality system uh, to check before we actually allow them to use this brand. And then maybe a, a last word for the overall kind of 50% uh, survival rate overall startups in Switzerland. Again, this is in comparison with all startups. That includes restaurants, that includes uh, shops and these kind of things. So I don't think that is a fair comparison. You have to kind of compare our spin-outs with other statistics that are more dealing with high-tech or deep-tech uh, companies, I, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, a bit of apples and oranges. A, re a restaurant surviving for two years is not the same as a deep-tech startup surviving for two years. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I guess it's depending <laughs> on the location and the cook well. you have. <laughs> But it's a good number anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. Nothing to be too upset about, I guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> Continental Europe is often looked down upon, uh, particularly in the English-speaking world, as not doing a particularly great job at startups, ecosystems, funding. It's not something I necessarily agree with. Um, and there are hotspots. You mentioned Berlin. Um, Stockholm is another one. And Zurich seems to be doing quite well as well, much like the US's Silicon Valley and Boston and a lot of people that struggle elsewhere. What is your view of the European landscape? And what, if anything, can be done to improve it? First, again, uh, to put things into perspective, the English-speaking world has a much longer history. Uh, I mean, if you look at MIT and tech transfer activities and startups they do there, they started in the 1950s, um, Stanford in the 1970s, so a much longer history than any of our universities in continental Europe at least has. I guess also these countries, uh, particularly England, the US, are, I guess, more business-driven by nature. They have a bigger and a more coherent market. And then, of course, they have a much better developed venture capital market and, and scene there. So that puts it all to the advantage of those uh, of those countries or those areas. 
Nevertheless, having said that, I think Europe has caught up in the last two decades quite a lot. And of course, the most prominent one like uh, Berlin and another place that you mentioned are the, the ones that are, uh, I'd say, also from the marketing perspective, uh, <laughs> a little bit better than the others. When I travel around, I've seen quite a few places which were amazing, starting in, in Germany with the Technical University in Munich, with the Unternehmertum, a huge incubator doing fantastic stuff. University of Aachen, the University of Delft in the Netherlands, who's doing a tremendous job with startups. The IKU Leuven, a fantastic environment. Italy, Politecnico di Milano, has, in the last few years, they made tremendous steps forward. So there's a lot, of, a lot of things going on there. Yeah, I think that's, you're right. I think Politecnico di Milano has, has launched a venture fund as well, and the TU Delft is, is very active. And IMAC have launched, a, in, in Belgium, have launched a 100 billion plus fund. So it's, as I said, I don't necessarily agree with the view of, of I mean, I am from Luxembourg, so I consider myself a continental European. <laughs> so maybe that colors my view Very as good. well. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah uh, it's not something that I always agree with. I, I think in terms of venture capital, Europe made also a, quite a step forward. Not, of, of course, yet at the point where we're, you know, comparing uh, with, uh, with Silicon Valley. But, uh, you know, there's a few prominent funds like the High Tech Grindelwald, who has a, you know, a, a long history, a very a good history. We have prominent people like Klaus Hommels with Lake Stars. I think they raised another 800 million fund uh, not too long ago. In Switzerland, things always take a little bit longer. So we were talking about a 500 million fund for about eight years. Uh, it came into existence uh, about one and a half years ago or a year ago, closing with uh, 300 million. And what we see on a local basis now in Zurich is that former uh, spin-off founders actually that made it collecting money and they have actually just started uh, two new funds one is uh, Übermorgen Ventures who invests in CO2 related ventures and we have the wingmen who uh, do invest uh, their 60 million that they raised into uh, high-tech startups so these guys are coming back and of course they have a heart for our institution and that's good for our new startups coming out so there is a thing rolling now that takes pace and I'm, I'm extremely happy about this development yeah, that that sounds amazing. I hadn't come across uh, was it Uber Morgan Ventures and Wingman. I, uh, I quite like those names. <laughs> that, really, that is what you want. You want the successful entrepreneurs to come back and then support the new cycle of, of startups and spin-outs. And that's how you build the ecosystem, really. And right. We, we see more of those in venture capital, but we also see more of those people coming back and helping the young uh, startups in terms of coaching or even entering or investing themselves and then being a part of the new management that's also extremely important and extremely helpful some more numbers I'm, i like numbers um <laughs> it, it has created some 500 well close to 500 spin out since 1973 you did a record-breaking 30 last year i can't believe i gave you an award when you did 27 i should have waited <laughs> um so you're clearly keeping up with with international peers oxford columbia university and so on so my next question is perhaps slightly more evil than when I ask other people on this podcast. What's your favorite spin-out? I had some fear that you would <laughs> ask this question. That, that's a really tough one because you get at times very close uh, to those uh, people who, who start the new companies. And you like the one more because they are a fantastic team. You like one startup because they have a fantastic product. You like someone because they have such a business drive. It's just cool to sit there and just watch them. It's very difficult to say which one. I mean, there's uh, many names coming up. The ones that are a little bit more prominent, like Sincerion, HiQ, a hidden champion, Optitune, that does tunable lenses. Some of the new ones, like Climeworks, uh, with CO2 capturing that made the news, and Vinktra, who sells drones. 
these are the ones that you read in the newspapers. But there's so many, so many startups that, or spin-offs that I like that you know, haven't had yet the chance to make a lot of marketing for themselves. And you know, I, the only thing that I can tell you is that there's a lot of things coming up. One that is kind of the word to kind of get a little bit more prominent is Planted. It's a food company that is vegetarian food based on pea protein and uh, makes meat that tastes like chicken meat. So uh, if you like to try that one, it's certainly, it's certainly a good one. But there are other ones in more deep tech areas like Anapaya Systems. They will come up with a completely new type of internet, highly secure. We are testing that out actually now in the ATH domain, so not at only our institution. They have also very prominent customers right now, and I'm sure they, you will hear more of them. Uh, there is um, startups in the battery uh, um, area like Patreon. There is uh, in the IT uh, or communication world, uh, Polariton. I'm, I'm sure you will hear about those guys. I like, for instance, also a company called Microcaps. They do mini containers or micro containers for anything that you want to put in. This is Swiss precision, very highly defined size of little bubbles. So there's um, so many things that are coming up. It's just amazing. And you love all of them. You, you can't miss one of them. I vaguely remember seeing about Planted. And I'm, I mean, I, I became vegetarian a few years ago and, and chicken meat is the thing that I miss. Everyone always talks about bacon, but it's the chicken meat that was it for me. So if, if there is a good company out there that does it, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually quite good. Actually, it was also served on our own premises in the so-called Dozenten Foyer. So that's where the professors eat for lunch. And with this, you slowly get into the market. Uh, maybe we're talking about the COVID situation a little bit afterwards, but uh, Planted was uh, one of those companies that actually survived quite well because food was appreciated and they could serve local shops with their products. That's amazing. You've been with ATL Transfer since 2001. You've been the head since 2005. What made you join the institution and what has convinced you to stick around? It sounds a little bit that I was there too long. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I'm a, an ATH child, if you like. So I, I studied chemistry there. I did my PhD. But I, I left the scientific community after my PhD joining a big Swiss food company. And I was traveling the world with that institution for quite a while. And then I had to come back for family reasons back to Switzerland or personal reason, if you like. And only by chance actually run into my alma mater uh, again. And at that time, there was not a staff unit for tech transfer. There were uh, two, three people taking care of tech transfer, uh, but in a bigger unit, which was the staff for research. All of them basically left at that time. And a colleague of mine with whom I studied was one of the, uh, these guys and just was leaving to join a bank and was asking me whether I'm looking for a job. And I still had a job offer with the food company at that time, but then saw that I had to stay a little bit longer in Switzerland. And I said, yes, why not? So I just came by and then suddenly I was hired there. And then, uh, I mean, there was a couple of more people that we hired at that time. And then somehow in 2004, we came to the conclusion that we have to professionalize the, um, these activities and be um, as simple as, 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 as you do it all the time. You do, you wrote a business plan. We handed that in to the board. It was accepted and uh, <laughs> surprisingly, actually. But in 2005, then we were established as a staff unit called ATR Transfer. And then it was just, you know, you were just sitting there. We think we saw the right thing at the right time. And then things just developed. It's, it was amazing. It was always thriving. There was a lot of dynamics in there. And uh, there was not a dull moment uh, at any time. And so the time passed. And I, I think that's, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It just happened. And it was always so 
interesting and there were so many things happening all the time. I at least never thought of, of giving up this job <laughs> to, uh, to go back to industry. I had so much freedom and I'm uh, very appreciative to, to my board for that, you know, to having us uh, do the things that we thought were, were the right things and, and uh, obviously it was not too wrong, let's say. <laughs> what, what are some of the lessons that you've learned basically building this from scratch? A thing that we, uh, in general, are not so good at in Europe, you have to be daring. You have to try out things. You don't have to fear, you know, if you uh, miss something or if you fail at something that uh, this is the name of the game. It looks all uh, like a, a huge success what we did, but we had <laughs> tons of failures in the, you know, of course, we didn't market that too much. So, <laughs> but I, I think that's that's one of the point. If I look a little bit more towards the startup slash spin-off community, I think the learnings there is those guys who start their companies, they are so driven, don't stand in their way. So basically just prepare the grounds as best you can and then just don't interfere. Just let them do what they are supposed to do. I guess you put it in, 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 in one word, it's, I, I would call it BPBP. So be pushy, but be patient. Or the other way around, uh, be patient, but be pushy. So th that's probably what I learned. I like that. That's a good slogan. <laughs> My final question was an open-ended one for you. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want our listeners to know about? Yeah, there's of course tons of things that we could talk about. But if you <laughs> if you give me some airtime, of course, there's. A, I guess it's a call to Europe, specifically continental Europe. Let's be more bold. Let's be more daring. I think we have tons of opportunities, fantastic technologies, we have excellently educated people. There's a huge opportunity there. Let's do it. And maybe a call to investors, both in Europe but also outside from Europe, come to Europe come to Zurich. No, come to every every city or every academic unit that produces startups. Invest in those startups. It's a fantastic opportunity. I think you can help a lot to develop this uh, community further. And I'm sure uh, you will take out something from there. I think we have very, very successful startups. Yes, please do come and invest in Europe. A call to arms at the end. I like that. Absolutely. Silvio, Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day to join us on the podcast today. It's been a huge pleasure to have you. Finally seeing you on screen as well. We, we still haven't managed to meet in real life, but one day. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I'm so thankful, Terry, for your support and also for your organization. I, I think it's just very, very important that we spread the word that there's so, uh, so huge opportunities here uh, around in Europe. Thank you very much. It was a great pleasure to talk to you. Talking Tech Transfer is hosted by me, Thierry Hehlers. It is produced by Global University Venturing, a Morsonia Limited publication. You can find us at globaluniversityventuring.com, on LinkedIn as Global University Venturing, or on Twitter at GU Venturing. Our sound engineer is Mark Chatterley from In-Ear Production. You can find them on inearproduction.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an interview. We'd also really love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or if you share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. It really helps us grow our audience. You can also reach out to me directly with feedback. Just email thehelis at globaluniversityventuring.com. That is T-H-E-L-E-S at globaluniversityventuring.com. Until next time, have a great week, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you.